Welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast. I'm Pete Clark, your host, The Whispers Guy. It appears that work expands to the time that we give it, and I started to explore how I was investing my time and effort, particularly on Fridays. It's evolved to an explanation and experiment with time, energy, attention and identity, and a mindset shift from I have to to I choose to. So if you're interested in exploring some changes to the way that you invest your time and your energy, if you'd like some tips on the way as you make some changes perhaps to your identity, if you would like the freedom of I choose to, away from I have to, then this is the podcast for you. So welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast. Hi everyone. I think it's important that I give you a heads up on this week's conversation. My guest and I, we do discuss, albeit briefly, some suicidal thoughts and ideation, particularly at the six um, and seven minute mark. So if this is not the sort of thing that you want to be listening to right now, then please feel free to skip this week's or, or join us wherever in the conversation feels most comfortable for you. I've left some... Uh, help resources, um, if it triggers anything for you in the showcase notes for anyone that might be struggling at the moment. And as you'll hear us talk about, whilst it can be difficult, it's important and absolutely a sign of strength to seek help when you need it, both something Graham and I have done over the years. And just to acknowledge the the, the vulnerability and the willingness that Graham has shown in in sharing his journey. Welcome to this week's edition of the Freedom Fridays podcast. Um, this week, I've I've got a chap on who I don't know that well, actually. And we've only kind of worked two or three times, but there must be something in it because we've connected pretty quickly. And I, I think I'm going to say I enjoy his company. I'm, I'm hoping he enjoys mine. Uh, and so I'm going to welcome to the conversation, Graham. Hey, Graham. Hey, Pete. How you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Now, Graham, you're based in the UK. Uh, I'm obviously yep. based in Australia. Um, j- yep. Just where about in the UK are you based? Uh, so I'm just outside of London, a place called Bishop's Dortford, near Stansted Airport. That's oh, okay. okay. So, you know. so, but I'm not from the South. I'm definitely a Northerner. Yeah, so, I, can, I, I could pick that up in the accent. Um, so, Graham, thank you for your time. The premise of Freedom Fridays is... Ordinary people doing extraordinary things, you know, making that shift from they have to to I choose to and all of the things that happen along that journey. Uh, and I believe you've got a pretty interesting story. So could you could you start by sharing with us what's the big change that you made? Yeah, so the big change I made, I would summarize as being able to take control of me every day to sort of enjoy what this world has to offer. Um, if I start the story a little bit earlier, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that um, I was born in the 80s and <laughs> um, born to, to parents of the North where hard work pays off and you have to graft for every quid that you can earn. And... That transpired into, you know, getting a degree, looking at the career post degree, uh, finished my degree, took a bit of time. And then I fell into a career in uh, pharmaceuticals, in the uh, pharmaceutical industry. 
Um, did you carry the bag? Advisor. I did carry the bag. Yep, I've carried the so, bag too, and it's only those that have carried carry, the bag knows what carrying the bag means. Carrying the bag, yeah. We were drug dealers. Yep. Licensed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, yeah, so... Um, and I came about that career because I enjoyed connecting with people and I had a degree in chemistry, but I didn't want to be a scientist. And this was recommended to me. And um, so I ended up working for an organization for 10 years. And I remember three months into that role, into that company, career plan was set. A sales rep for a bit and then it'd be really good if you went and did a business analyst job um and then good if you were a sales trainer does this does this yep. route sound familiar pete yep well, GP rep, hospital rep <laughs> trainer regional manager yeah. you know the usual yeah yeah so yeah so that was it and sales manager the first line sales manager managing the sales team and i'm a pretty goal-driven guy right mm. i i like to set myself goals and targets and I'd, um, I, you know, went after my goals and kind of passively on the side, I'd noticed that in the organizational history, no one had ever done it before they were 30. And that by getting to sales manager, no one had gone through that path and, and been there before they were 30. And with six weeks to spare, I did it. <laughs> Got the job. Yeah. Um, and that was about the time that also those goals of my childhood, I'd started to make real. Wanted to visit two places in the world, Hong Kong and New York. Wanted to meet the girl of my dreams. Met her, married her, went to those two places with her. <laughs> um, buy a nice house. Um, I've only ever owned one house. It's the one I'm in right now. And it was bigger than anything any of my family's ever lived in. Mm -hmm. um, get half decent at a sport. I'm fortunate to say that golf is not a good walk spoiled for me. So, um, and start a family. And so at this age, to set the scene for the listeners, I'm 30. And I suddenly started to stand over an abyss. Okay. How, how, how did you know? I was lost because all those goals that I'd been working to for my entire life were achieved and I hadn't got anything else in front of me. And it. So can I, can I just pause you there for a second? Cause I think what yeah, you sure. described, I think a lot of people either are or will have felt that, but they might not know that's what it is. Could you just describe for a second, how did you know you were lost? I was getting very rapidly frustrated at everyone outside of me. Okay. So the internal they weren't, frustration. They weren't working as hard as you, weren't as good as you, weren't as demanding or ambitious as you. No, no, they just, they weren't helping me. Okay. I, I needed help, but I couldn't voice that I needed help. So I was just getting frustrated at the world around me. Okay. My wife would do something that I didn't understand. Waiting that, you know, family are just making decisions that I didn't agree with or didn't consider me. I'd shout at them. And it was very much that inner child 
you know, just screaming, help me, but not knowing how to ask for help. Right. For a period of nine months, that state just got worse and worse and worse. Right. And at that point, I couldn't find a way out. Did you try? No. Nothing? I didn't try to find a way out. I was trying to do things. The best way I can describe the feeling is you're, you're falling down a rock face. Mm -hmm. And every so often you'd grab hold of a rock thinking this one's going to keep me stable. Yeah. And it would fall away and you'd fall right. further. Right. And, you know, although I didn't do anything about it, I mm -hmm. very much remember thinking, right, that's it. I'm off. See you later. Right. Wow. And I nearly took a choice not to be around. You, you, I mean, serious question. This is a pretty sensitive topic. You had those thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that, first of so, all, um, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's, thank you. I'm, I feel really humbled that you've taken, because <laughs> I didn't know that. And, and uh, I feel really humbled that you've come so far that you can say those and admit that and seemingly being okay with that. Yeah. It, I'm not going to lie. It's taken some time. Right? Sure. Sure. But what I've realized over the years is we all, people talk about going on a journey yeah. There's no other word to describe a journey than a journey, by the way. I've tried to find it. Timeline, <laughs> you know, adventure. Journey is yeah. the only word we can ever use for it, right? Yeah. And rather than, I suppose, rather than falling into what was previously society's approach to not talk about the bad stuff, yeah. move more to a place of it's happened. What were the reasons why it happened? And we've just explored some of them there. And I can talk a little bit more about that. But then accept it's part of the journey. And that's why I talked about the goals. Yeah. Because in the absence of having something to focus on, yeah. I lost my sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll credit them on the podcast because I think they deserve all the credit in the world. There's a charity in the UK called Mind. They are brilliant. Yeah. Um, I went and saw some, someone there and for about six, seven weeks, just every week, they just helped me make the more sense about it all. Okay. Acknowledge what was going on, what's the conditions that created this feeling state. Yeah. And then apologies to listeners if you just use some really technical behavioral language there, but the feeling state that I was feeling start to acknowledge what that is yeah. and understand what I can do now going forward. Mm -hmm. Before we came on here, we were talking about a book, Leadership Plain and Simple. Mm -hmm. talks about future engaged deliver. And in that process, it looks at the why and some people might notice Simon Sinek's book about find your why and start with why. And very much I'd had the chance to really immerse myself in that process. Right. And my personal shift moved from fulfilling all of my goals 
to enabling people to realize their full potential. Right. Because that's something that's energized me more my entire life. And I include myself in that. Yeah, you're part of that. Yeah. But it's where I like to commit my energy. Mm. So to people who've been really struggling through lockdown, can I be there in a way that can support them? Mm. People who've been in my shoes where they followed the um, Jack Welsh Move Your Career Every Three Years book, which is wonderful. Yeah. Up until you're about 30, where all those operational roles where you learn everything in is great. But then you start getting to strategic leadership positions. Mm. And the timeline by which you can move to the next one is very rarely at your dictation. And that turmoil that can that can create for people. Well, that's a bit of my journey. Wow. Um, well, there's, there's plenty strands to pick up there, isn't there? <laughs> you wanted some um, juice, Pete, so I thought I'd give you something. Yeah, wow. That was, so. thank you. Um, I'm going to start with this. Um, I've been exploring with myself and with the clients I've been speaking to recently, um, whilst acknowledging, you know, we've all heard Simon Sinek start with why, I've been encouraging people to actually start with who. Who is the future you that you want to be? And then pick up the why for that future person. The extent to which mind helped you um, did it help you with a who as well as a why? And did one come before the other? Yeah, so I noticed I have a behavioral trend to adapt to the circumstance I'm in. Mm. I'm a nightmare when it comes to psychometrics because I can do one an hour apart with the different person setting me the psychometric and I get a very different result, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so for me, the idea of who came alongside why, because the okay. who helped me recognize who I need to be. Right. Which so was, which was be beyond or different to who you were being in that moment. Yeah. Yes. So I need to be authentic. That's why I can talk around the story. If I can't yeah. talk about the story, am I being authentic to my truths? Yeah. No. Yeah. Operate with integrity. I've noticed my, attenuation for ethical practice is more sensitive than ever now right and so be that person model that person part of the thing that mind helped me that the work with mind helped me recognize is that i'm a father mm -hmm. Because shortly after all of those events, I actually left that organization I'd worked with 10 years. Right. Were you a father at the time? And yes. Okay. So when all this is going on, it's in the first 18 months of fatherhood. So I'd done work with new dads right. to help them through those first two years because it is huge. Yeah, it's hard, and yeah. they very rarely get to talk about it. And I have some, some friends who've absolutely shined because we've had the conversations we've had. not only using my own experience, but using my experience to ask questions, to understand their experience. Yeah. Never saying this, my experience is yours. It's, this leads me to ask a question that makes me want to be curious about yours. But um, mind help me realize that I'm a father. Mm -hmm. And the one thing, no matter how I feel any day, 
it's how can I be, how am I showing up for him? Who am I being for him right. as he grows up? Um, which is great because my wife and I, at the time with me leaving the organization, decided what we want to do. I live, my parents live 150 miles away. Hers live five and a half thousand. Yep. We don't have childcare on. So I pivoted my career in order to support what we do as a family. And in pivoting, I got to find doing the thing I know and love today, which is supporting others through whether it's coaching, facilitation or whatnot. So, so you know, it's starting to me, the who thing is alongside the why, because that's the model that people experience when they meet me. Can I ask you about the father thing? Um, mm-hmm. I'm a father too. And, and I, I think I understand the distinction, but I'd be interested if you could, again, plain and simple, explain what, what's the difference? How do you make the change from I'm a father to identify with the role versus how I inter- interpret what you said is I'm a father, which for me then goes more external uh, in the responsibility that that role has. That's my interpretation of it. How, how can you help people understand if there's a difference? Because the minute you have a, you know, the minute your partner's pregnant, you could argue you're a father. And once they're born, well, of course you're a father. How did you have to come up with that conclusion? What was the distinction that they were able to help you with? Because I think that I'm a fill in the blank is so relevant to so many of the roles that we play out. Yeah. So there's a really great exercise I did and I still recall it today. Um, six hats. Yep. The bono six hats. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The bono six hats. Um, and what that exercise does is it says, what are the hats that you wear? Okay. And hats is a pseudonym for responsibilities. Yep. Gotcha. This is my interpretation of the exercise anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but when you go through each, identifying each of your hats, father, partner, friend, yep. professional. Yep. Me. Everyone always forgets me when they do that exercise. Yeah, for the first yeah. time and it's like, right, yeah. can we just, yeah, that's a critical one. But then, because there's no rule book for being a father, is there? Right. So going down the route of saying, what do I value when I wear that hat? Mm-hmm. And so can I, I, I ask a really, can I ask a really specific question when you're, uh, and this yeah. might be just because you and I are interested in this, the, the I in that question, is that yeah. you or the role of father? I think it's important to recognize both when you do it because one's an internally facing and one's an externally facing. Yeah. But it's a great distinction to make when you do it. Because you can identify with the external view, whether you're limiting yourself. Yeah. I want to be seen as an upstanding member of society who cares about everything in the world when I'm a father. Okay, that's great. But are you doing that because you don't understand the world and you're scared of it yeah. and you haven't dedicated the time to make sense? Mm. So I like to sort of favor writing that authentic position of what do I want it to be? Yeah. So in the role of a father, I want to be someone who's there to support. I want to be there to someone who provides opportunity for expansion and growth. Yeah. 
and provide a space that he can come to someone no matter how testing the world might feel. Right. Okay. So that's my hat as a father. Has that, has that changed right. over the years? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because at first, it's like anyone who's been a dad will know. Yeah. You suddenly handed this thing. Yeah. And you go, yeah. I'm, just, I'm kind of half responsible for its life. Yeah. <laughs> um, fortunately, everyone for the first three months, they only need to do three things eat, sleep, and go to the toilet. So you, yeah. you're pretty good up to then. Um, but they, they don't do much sleep. You have this, <laughs> but you have this huge responsibility. But yeah, so at the time, it's the tangible things, the things that yeah. you can grasp hold of. And I think what, for me, what I found was as I started to grow as a father, I started to then appreciate that wider scope that you say. And it moved from, oh, I'm a father? To, I'm a father. Right. What does this bring me? Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question or not, Pete, but that's felt like where I, I wanted to go. <laughs> so. No, that's cool. And, and again, did they have you do it with all the other roles? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So recognizing what it means to be a partner. Okay. And as we evolved as a three, in the family, how does that partnership grow and evolve? Um, I'd like to always think that I've never stifled my wife's growth. Yeah. She's the most amazing person in the world to me and let her go and follow her dreams. Yeah. I, 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 thought, just um, occurred, I thought it just occurred to me, um, and I'm going to explore it with you. So when, because hmm? I think this is partly, you know, we're complicit in creating this in the work we do. And it's only just mm -hmm. struck me when when you are asked father, partner, colleague, whatever, you know, we're often asked and I'm going to guess this was the same. You know, who, who's the best version of the partner you'd want to be? Mm -hmm. All right. There's always that aspirational aspect to the question. Yeah. Or at least we, I think we answer it in that way. Yeah. But you could argue not everyone ever makes that and they end up being a little bit better than average or maybe a little bit below average or, you know, top quartile, if there's a comparison. And so I get, oh, what am I trying to say here? I'm wondering if there's any reconciliation that needs to go on between the best version of yourself and the version of yourself that you end up being in this moment. And can you be at peace with that? Mm. Excuse me. The thought that emerges for me as you say that is to explore the role relativity plays in all of our perceptions. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate I work with athletes. I know you have too. Mm. And you see it in running races. If an athlete in second place loses contact with the person in first on a long race it's very rare they catch them back up again yeah because they start to play into that relativity piece of how am i performing relative to the field rather than how am i performing in myself and the connection i make with what you've just talked about there is the idea of the best father partner yeah. 
And I wonder how often we get hijacked by the best version that we've seen in the world or been role modeled somewhere else, or is the anti-model for the parent we had growing up. You know, I'm going to do it the other way because I didn't like the way they did it or an amalgam of all of those things. And I wonder if we could spend more time appreciating where we actually are and what we're doing as a parent rather than how we're doing versus everyone else and what difference that could make for people. Yeah, look, I would say this is particularly relevant for me, uh, not not necessarily in the father or only in the father space, because I, on a regular basis, suffer from comparison. Um, and, and so what I was thinking of when you said that was, I wonder how often we are not only hijacked because of the comparison to others, because we can see what's happening around the world in the flick of a switch, but how often we get hijacked because of the comparison we have of who we'd like to be or who we imagine we could be versus who we're showing up as now. Mm. And so that, that got me thinking, I wonder how, you know, in our world, we're trying to help people be the best versions of themselves and imagine what that is and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. That's creating some angst because we've had them imagine a best version of themselves that they'll never live up to. And that's creating the hijack. Yeah. So we talk about presence sometimes and being present in the moment. Yeah. Wonder if, if people recognize that ideal state, that best state, that future state they aspire to, but then immerse themselves more thoroughly in now. What are the values I'm being driven by? Mm. What, is creating stifle within me that is being demonstrated by uncharacteristic behavior. Mm. Where am I placing everything, all the problem outside of me rather than owning it inside of me Mm. and exploring that stuff that's allowing you to be present right now so you can release yourself and grow. And does that give you a better chance to be that best version of yourself? Mm. Part of my yeah. research is uh, the theory that comes to me is because I've always been interested, what gets number one to number one? Yeah. Why was Michael Jordan the best basketball player ever? Why has Lindsey Vonn come back from more injuries than yeah. should be possible yeah. and still win titles on skis? Yeah. Um, why did Tiger Woods be so driven? I, I use a few golfing references every now and then, but these are the people that are universally recognized as the best in their sports. Yeah. And so far, I've only found one common denominator amongst okay. all of them. Right. Hang on, draw, drum, roll, endless, drum roll. Drum roll, drum, 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 yeah, you know, we can do that there. They have a relentless pursuit of making the reality they want reality okay but they never ever compromise on the journey that they've taken so far all the bumps in the road that have gotten there but also they also they they keep driving to fulfill what they see as a vision for themselves in the world right so they've got the humbleness to stay in the moment 
they've got the the aspiration and the appreciation the learning on the way and can we apply that in all of our lives so we actually do become the best version of ourselves yeah that's what i always wonder which which again ties the thinking i've had about you saying that it ties us back to the journey um often i'm asked you know how long does it take to change a habit <laughs> and you know you get rid of all the, habits, the myths right and i say well look the here's the here's the interesting thing is if you stop doing it it's no longer a habit oh yeah of course so it's not necessarily a finish line to cross it's a lifestyle to be lived so this relentless pursuit of being the best version of whatever hat you're wearing will never end because the minute you stop doing it that's as good as it gets Whereas you, you might never, ever be the best imagined version of yourself because you don't have that much time. You don't live forever. But you might live another 20 years and you can extend and progress in whichever realm you choose. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's the, uh, for me, that's what in, in fatherhood or partnerhood or you know, consultant, whatever it was, that would be my version of the relentless pursuit of creating the reality I want. And so one of the reasons I started these podcasts was to try and offer insights to normal people like you and I, what are the extraordinary things that happen? And I think anyone could apply that relentless pursuit of creating the reality that they want. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, and you, know, you and I would believe it is, for the skeptic, what are, are there any conditions precedent Say more about that question. So if, if everyone was relentless in their pursuit of creating the reality that they want, we'd all be happy. We'd all be superhuman beings. We'd have this, that, and the other. Everything would be glorious. We'd be living a life of joy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, we know we're not, right? We're right in the middle of something pretty heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So are there any conditions precedent is it a gender thing? Is it a DNA thing? Is it you're lucky because you were born there? Is it a is it a physical thing? Is it do you have to have experienced something like you've experienced to come back from it? I read, for example, that years oh, I can't remember what the research was, something like a really high percentage of successful entrepreneurs, stroke millionaires, stroke billionaires, not that it's about money but a really high percentage of them had some significant childhood trauma, like le- losing a parent. Mm. Now, you'd never wish that on anyone. I, I lost my dad when I was really young, and I'd, I'd have him back for all the su- perceived success I have. You'd never wish it on someone, but having had it happen, it seems to be one of the conditions precedent that drives mm. some people forward. And so I'm wondering if, you know, in the research you've done, you've noticed any conditions precedent that make it easier or more likely that someone can relentlessly pursue yeah. the reality they want. The one that stands out for me the most yeah. is tolerability for other people's values. Say that, say that again. Tolerability. Tolerability, sorry. For other people's values. Okay. 
Because if you're relentlessly pursuing what you think is best, there's a light, there's a tendency to say, well, yours is not as good as I view it. So therefore I'm going to ignore you or denounce you or lower you, mm. which is only going to create conflict and all yeah. the stuff that we've huh. talked about. Well, so we, far. we can see that, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, so I, I would say that it's the tolerability for what other people value is critical in that because it can allow you to hear different viewpoints, keep you open to avenues of growth that you've not seen or experienced before. And also openness to the idea of imperfection in yeah. yourself. Yeah. Because best kind of somehow marries itself with perfect for some people. That's the it's definition objective. they give. Yeah. Which is just, when's the last time anyone was perfect right so, do, so do you think that, do you i think, think that's, that's for me a critical do you think that's what's meant by the expression holding your values lightly yes okay so it's not you it's not can holding clearly you, see the scientists sorry go on. yeah so it's not holding yours lightly as in being flaky with them you're still standing for something but what it means is you're willing to hear and appreciate and acknowledge others who have the same or different or a little bit less or a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. And get under the skin of it. Yeah. Try and build a relationship with that person and understand why. Why is that so critical to you? What's the story that you've had and experienced that's got you to believe that to be true and critical to your thriving in life? Mm. Ah, right. Now, now I see. And then maybe hold the mirror up to yourself and look at it and go, mm. ah, so that value needs to change from trying to make that happen to believing it can happen. Because mm. if I believe it can happen, it sets me off on a different path than trying to make it happen. Right. And you can tweak and grow your own as a result. Right. And so do you think in, you know, I'll come back to the hats exercise that you did with mind in, mm. in having you explore and get, I'm going to guess more certainty around what you valued with those hats, you were mm -hmm. then able to hold them a bit more loosely. Yes. Interesting. That's an interesting, I, almost an interesting dichotomy. Yeah, massively, but so helpful. You know, you've had the blessed, blessed ability to grow up in the UK for a little bit. You know, the value of a cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, you know, lockdowns meant that this space that if you were seeing the video, you'd see where I'm in. I've spent a lot of time in. Yeah. And I can be in the wearing the professional hat right here and within 20 seconds be in parent mode or partner mode or yeah. but putting the kettle on and just going, so where am I leaving the hat as a professional? What hat am I now going to go and take into that other room? where my son is and my wife is and how am I going to, you know, it allows me to make transition and appreciate each of those roles that make me thrive. Um, but that's prompted a, a question about, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting either you and or I, or maybe we are in this scenario, but I'm wondering if people listening sometimes find themselves in situations where the environment that they're in almost forces them or wants them to wear a particular hat that no longer fits they're uncomfortable with they no longer like the logo whatever that means that right now pete yeah 
right? Go through that right now. So yeah. <laughs> but, and they want to change. And they want to wear a different hat and we have a different value. But the environment they're in constantly is drawing them back, which might be their history, which might be their community, which might be the environment they're in, which might be beliefs others hold about them. Can you can you offer any advice or tip, you know, <laughs> the 10 second tip scenario uh, about what someone might do to, I guess, reconcile that? Because you may never lose that. Uh, first thing, simple thing, number one, uh, acknowledge that what is, is. So rather than arguing against it, acknowledge it, it is. I've got a conflict. You know, I've, I've yes. got conflict in wearing two hats. Yeah. Whoever the they is, they want me to wear this hat, but I want to wear a different Are you just acknowledging that? Yeah. Because the likelihood is that they've been denying it. Yeah, cool. Is there a so, step two? Yeah, for me, tease what you'd like to keep true in that situation and what mm -hmm. you would like to change. And if you identify what you want to change, mm -hmm. start to plot a path to a different direction. Right. Whether that's the outlook that you wait, you out the outlook that you start each day with, or each one of those moments where you go into those conflict situations. Yeah whether it's how you have a conversation that is critical. I'm a big sense maker outside of me. Right. So speaking to the people that I trust to just go, I've got this bowl of spaghetti going in my head. Can you help me straighten it? Yeah. That helps me move forward. Right. Because I start to get out of my own way, acknowledge what is and start to plot a path. Right. Right. Um, Graham, you mentioned right at the top when I asked you about the, the change that you were making um, or have made, and you talked about control of me. What did you have to surrender in order to control you? Uh, the idea that I can unconsciously let it just be. <laughs> so meaning if i go with where i just naturally want to go each day yeah i fill my day up with time for everyone else right oh i'll just save going to the toilet for 10 minutes because they want that yeah which leads to uncomfort uncomfort where you want to go right or uh, yeah i can do that extra job that needs to be done oh yes i can fit in a coaching call because that's where it wants to be and if i do that naturally that's where i lean towards because that's mm. what my purpose mm. energizes me by but if i do it too much i forget about me so what i always have is some personal things for me that keep me stretching and i make time for them right my chosen avenue is exercise um and i start my day every day with a one hour dog walk followed by usually an hour to 90 minutes of exercise right and i've trained my body to do that before the family wake up so it's all my bit is done before they're yeah. asking yeah time of me yeah and can, can i ask when you were going through your darkest period 
what ideas did you have to surrender? That I'm okay when I wasn't. Okay, so you had this little narrative going on, I'm okay, but there was another part of you going, no, you're not. Okay. So shut the one up that was telling me I was all right. Right. And I'm not, I wasn't okay. Right. Brains are great at lying to ourselves, right? You bet. They try and protect us as their first reaction. Yeah. But sometimes that protection creates more pain. Hmm. And so do you do you work with people who've been where you've been? Yes. How in my exploration, in my, sorry, in my explorations, the idea of boundary is explored, right? You'll know yeah. it from the work you've done. Yeah. And I've, I'm more comfortable when someone says to me, I've had suicidal thoughts. I'm lost and don't know where to go. Yeah. I'm facing a personal struggle, but I can't tell anyone about it. Yeah. Those kind of moments. I know some, you know, coaches, you know, mentors, whatever you want to call them, step away. You know, they clearly yeah. reinvest that area, take that to a professional. Yeah. I'm more comfortable starting to explore the conversation with them. It's not necessarily means I'm the person to help them. Yeah. I had a client recently who I've done work with for a number of years. Hadn't spoke to him for about six months. He came back to me and hadn't spoke to his first conversation, two minutes in groundbreaking tears right wow. like literally a mess yeah and we got to the bottom of what was going on and i said yeah. it's not me you need to go and seek professional psychological help yeah yeah which i you know if anyone is listening to this and it's triggering any of those things then please seek the professional help that is required um big time would recommend it more than anything. Yeah. Um, I'm really conscious of one, your time, and two, uh, just how vulnerable and comfortably vulnerable you've been. And so I really want to acknowledge and thank you for that. Um, I will finish by lightening the middle a little bit, if I may, and, and give you uh, a couple of questions to answer. Yeah. Sure. you don't know what's coming. Um, and, and just and really, to say, by the way, thank you for letting me share it, Pete. Oh, you're welcome. It's, I, I, feel, I feel really touched because I didn't know you were going to do that. And I feel really touched that you, one, you have, and two, you chose to share it with me. So um, <laughs> I'm very humbled by that. And the listeners, Pete. Let's not forget that. <laughs> well, well it's, it's me and my mum. Let's be, let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> she just listens right, to it questions, times. questions yeah questions all right so um mind or body body and mind <laughs> Nike or the, sorry, in that question just spot the guy who's who is a scientist at heart but has learned about the feeling side too <laughs> yeah 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 uh nike or asics nike okay sunset nike or sunrise nike. Ooh, sunset. Um, Jack Nicholas or Tom Watson? 
Oh, uh, Watson. What he did at the Open when he nearly won it as a senior. <laughs> What's your favourite golf shot? Uh, a four-run I hit on the seventh hole at Chart Hills Golf Club that was possibly the most beautifully designed golf shot I've ever hit. And what's the golf shot you hate the most? I don't hate any of them. <laughs> Hang on. Are you right-handed? You mean you don't hate a left-to-right downhill putt? Left-handed. It's about tolerability for other people's <laughs> values, Pete. If they're left-handed, yeah. that's the way they've got to play the game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, final question. A book that's changed your life? Uh, Leadership Plain and Simple by Steve Radcliffe. Graham, thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you for having me on. Cheers.